Ultra. Welcome to Disney Animation Minute Essentials, where we are nestling ourselves into Disney's Little Mermaid one minute at a time. I'm Kester Dorowski. I'm Andrew Dorowski. And today we are discussing Minute 57, which begins with Sebastian finishing his line with life, so the single most humiliating day of his life, and the seahorse, Harold, as we like to call him, saying, we found no trace of your daughter. This minute features Sebastian giving Ariel some tips for the day tomorrow as uh, to get Eric to kiss her to break the spell. And Ariel and Sebastian going to sleep. It also f- features Harold, the seahorse, telling King Triton that they cannot find Ariel. All right, let's discuss minute 57. So we have Sebastian giving his his wonderful tips about... Bat- batting her eyes and puckering yes, her lips. Yes, the romance advice. Yes. So we've discussed before how Howard Ashman had a major part, liked to have a major part in, in script writing. and, and He's very involved in the whole story process. Yes, which is very unusual for someone who who typically only writes lyrics. But for... Well, and, and I mean, he... Howard always like it's weird to try and say that Howard only wrote lyrics because he is like and I think this is part of the structure that they're going for with these Disney films where it's Broadway style and in Broadway style the writer of the musical quite often or writers of the musical is essentially the music and lyrics that is the story production of the entire thing and I yes. think that is um an interesting like transition into the animated version of that where Ron and John are, you know, directors, writers, and, and, you know, working through the whole thing. But when you have such critical musical elements, you kind of have to rely on those to tell a portion of the story and then you're filling in between them. And so you have an overall story. Then you have the music and the lyrics, which is Alan and, and Howard. And then you're writing, to fill in the gaps between all of those songs and everything. And I don't really know what comes first, but it strikes me based on all the stuff that we've seen that really they have that initial story. And then it is the music and lyrics. It is not that they're writing a lot of other content before the songs. They map out certain things and they're, they're outlining stuff and saying, Hey, this would be a good place for a song. This would be a good place for a song. But, um, but there's a lot of flexibility and freedom offered to Howard and Alan to yes. write whatever it is that they need to write and to change whatever they need to change to make it fit. Yes. And so they're they're writing the story to a large degree through the songs and and the, those are the checkpoints. And then you do have a, a you know a script for the lines that need to be said and the animation that needs to be done for conversations. Right, and you typically you typically work with them, especially the um person who's writing the score alan in this case to make sure that it, it's all cohesive and and they understand what they're writing for and writing together so that the animation matches up with the orchestration and everything with the lyricist they typically don't do as much as but howard always liked to have 
his hand in everything. He was always there to try and help as much as he could because he he loved to do things like this. And I'm pretty sure we've discussed before that he changed some dialogue throughout the film. And one of those dialogue was the pucker your lips. I'm not sure what it was before. It may have just been pucker up your lips or something mm-hmm. like that. But he changed it to pucker your, your lips. And I'm sure that he told... He's adding in the, like, like this. Like this. Like yeah, he, like he, you, you speak it with puckered lips. Yes, I'm sure he, he taught everyone, like, what they need, how they needed to to say that specific line mm-hmm. and and animate that specific line. And so this was one of those dialogues that he is involved with. is involved with. With that specific line as well, you see Sebastian spit as he say <laughs> lips. Which gives me a question. Okay. Do crabs have saliva? That is not the crab anatomy question that I was prepared to answer today. I was prepared to answer <laughs> a crab anatomy question. Um, so I don't know. I do believe so. So crabs are crustaceans, which are totally aquatic. And so their system is really comparable to fish, right? That right. is essentially, you know, how they, they function um, biologically. And I know that because I was looking up stuff about their respiratory system, because later on, Sebastian blows out a candle, which is not something that a crab could do. Um, almost certainly not because crabs have gills, like fish. So can can they breathe air? Can they be out of the No, they're not water? amphibious. So so Sebastian would be dead by now. Um, I mean, obviously we see crabs spend a lot of time on the beach. So they are more functional, but they are... But he spent an entire day yeah, inside the castle. Bit. I mean, I mean, he had some laundry time. Right. Um, but yeah, so to my understanding, uh, I well, now I have to look up how long they can last on the surface. Um, but they, basic, like I was researching crustacean respiratory system, and it said gills. It said they're gills like fish. They, they breathe, quote unquote, breathe by um, pulling oxygen molecules out of the water into their bloodstream. Okay. And so he's not going to be able to expel air and blow out a candle. Does that mean that he can't expel liquid in a spitting motion? I mean, frankly, crabs don't have lips. True. Uh, they have, like, mandibles, right? They're they're similar to insects, and they have, like, the the a very weird-looking mouth. It's got, like, multiple little pieces um, that open and close and everything like that. It, it's unpleasant um, to think about, and I don't want to look at it closely. Um but I do believe that through the motion of, like, the the workings of their mouth and the outer areas of it, they could expel liquid or foam to some degree. Okay. So spitting, I could believe. Is it saliva? I don't know if that's the appropriate term. I would think it would be various moisture that is just from being an aquatic animal. Okay. Um, so I would call it water predominantly. Um, but, like, I think crabs definitely foam at the mouth sometimes. Um depending on, like, the consistency of the water and how much air is getting into their system as they, like, churn their mouth bits. Okay. Um, so, something like spit shooting out? Sure. Puckering lips? Not at all. What about batting their eyelashes? Do they have eyelids? I don't know. Again, I was really <laughs> only prepared for one particular crab anatomy 
discussion. <laughs> and that was about respiratory effect. Um, and I feel very confident in saying can't expel a large amount of air and blow on a candle. Um, but also, like, crabs don't have the soft bits that make up Sebastian's face. Sebastian does not look very much like a crab. No, for the longest time, I thought he was a lobster. I he don't doesn't know look why. like a lobster I don't, either. I don't know. Maybe it's because he's more red, like a typical lobster, whereas more That's most fair. of the crabs I see are more like brown, maybe maybe an orangey color, pink. Right. And we And we discussed this but, earlier in the film. But yeah, he, he doesn't look especially like a crab. He's, he's not especially like a crab. Really, they took some generic crab elements, like the legs. I mean, he doesn't walk like a crab that much. He usually is walking forward instead of sideways. Um, the upper and lower shell. And then they just kind of have a fleshy face stick out of the upper and lower shell. Which is, like, crab's faces are kind of part of their shell. Yeah. Um, so, not super accurate. <laughs> That's right. that's what we'll come down to. Yeah. Um, spitting, I mean, they, I, I do believe they can froth and foam and and expel liquid out of their right. mouths. But I would basically call that seawater or other potential bodily fluids inside a crab. Um, okay, so saliva, maybe not. This um, is an air, animation and not probably not a live action. Could could they potentially expel some air? I don't know exactly what like their internal cavity is like. Possibly, Which, but but they wouldn't be. Breathing in and breathing out a puff of carbon dioxide-laced air. I mean, this makes me curious about the live-action film that we've now have some um, actors for. But I wonder what they're if they're going to have. I do believe that it would be possible to have a cute CGI crab? I think they can make it cuddly while right. still making are, it a crustacean. Are they going to make him look more like a crab or more like Sebastian? I think he's probably going to look like a crab. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, like, I think they can make that cute. Okay. Potentially. If they make it very realistic, then no, because crabs are typically not very cute. No. Um, and they kind of creep me out. Um, but So, we'll see. I think there is potential for an animated crab with a, a somewhat realistic but animated mouth. And, I mean, think of the the most recent Lion King, you know? Okay. Uh, where it's like, okay, that's pretty realistic, but there is some character to them right there is some right communication of like yeah they're speaking they are emoting a little bit um i think i would like it to be a little bit more cartoony than that okay you know like but not not very cartoony i want it to look like a crab but i want it to look like a crab with a face that has personality and stuff Um, well i think while while we're on that topic of cgi and animation in the commentary on our blu-ray disc they gave um what what am i looking for um credit that's the word they gave credit to the animator who who did this specific scene who was the main animator for sebastian mm-hmm. but his name is duncan major banks i'm not sure how to say his last name but um, that's my best pronunciation that I can do, but he, he was the main animator for Sebastian, but they gave him credit specifically for this. It's a great scene. It's, it's fantastic animation. Yes. Right. Absolutely. Like you're, you're creating a really intense emoting. And th- I mean, I think this is probably some of that sort of precursor effect to genie and Aladdin, right? Yeah. Like this type of, okay, we can exaggerate. We can have them 
you know, suddenly he has eyelashes. Suddenly yes. he's got, you know, big lips to pucker yes. and the face and head grow in size to exaggerate and all that sort of stuff. And this ties back to other animation that they've done here in The Little Mermaid with like um, Flounder imitating Scuttle and and uh, Glut the Shark. Yeah. You know, you have this transformative element of animation, which I think is pretty different from some of the animation elements. I think it's taking more liberty and freedom uh, in in the animation than was present in the previous era of animation. If you think about this compared to the rescuers, the rescuers don't have a ton of like, they will have outrageous characters, but they don't have transformative animation in a given character so much. Um, or, or 101 Dalmatians. This would feel very out of place in 101 Dalmatians. I would think, um, I mean, you get the, the kind of, um, the abstraction of characters like, like Corella Deville. Um, but it's fairly defined into abstracting the characters, not transforming for narrative effect or, or, you know, comedic beat and all that sort of stuff. It's not like a fluidity of animation. It's no, Cruella becomes more and more ridiculous as she goes on and her car becomes more and more ridiculous as it goes on. And so it's like transitioning instead of brief transformation and like character moments and things like that Mm -hmm. and then and then you get to the genie where it's all fluid transformation yeah with sebastian's advice i just wanted to mention that they had some deleted scenes where he was giving her they they cut out some of her his his original advice so they had a lot more advice said i don't know what why is he so informed (laughs) what is sebastian's romantic history that he has so much experience coaching. I'm not certain, but um, I was watching another episode of D- the Disney's Little Mermaid, the series. And in it, he mentioned, this will be one to tell the kids. I don't know if that's like... Sebastian married and has children? I don't know if that's his kids or, that or if that's like his, his nephews or or aspirational. Or I'm going to tell the story to your kids. Yeah, I don't I don't know. It was He was talking to himself. He... Um, it was after like a big moment and he's like, this will be one to tell the kids. And I'm like, does he have kids? How old is Sebastian? No idea. Like, what, where do you think he fits into in this? Like, has he been an old friend of King Triton or is he a young friend of King Triton? So with the series, like it shows his progression and what kind of other... Sebastian? Yeah, his progression in in King Triton's court. I mean, he's just there and always doing some sort of yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like right? he's like a babysitter. He's uh, someone who music teacher, music teacher, caretaker, caretaker. He uh, watches Ariel. He also was once an ambassador. Uh, like he he does lots of different things, and it at first it doesn't seem like King Triton trusts him, but now he does. But then he doesn't trust him again in the movie. So it's just it's just a very complicated, I guess life for mm-hmm. Sebastian. Um so I don't I don't know. And like he said, this is the most humiliating day of his life, so I don't know what 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 his life has been like or how long it's been. But there was also another cutscene where there was more of Sebastian being lost in the castle. Um, oh. That could have been a very funny yeah. uh B story throughout yeah. I can picture that very easily where yeah. he's like getting around the castle and running into more stuff. Um 
Ariel in this, probably on a bed for the first time. Yes. Uh, I like how they animate that where she, and I think part of it is her feeling like, oh, this is comfortable. I feel like I'm swimming again. I feel like I'm floating, which seems weird because they've already had her in a bath. Right. Um, but it does seem like she's comfortable with this. But what kind of mattress is that? Because it, it definitely Obviously moves a waterbed. In the 1800s? I, I'm just saying, the way it moves <laughs> evokes waterbed. Right. But in the series, again, sh- they do have beds that are basically in shells, but I don't yeah, know like, I, what I was they... like, they have some cushioning inside a, I, se- yeah, a giant seashell. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I have no idea what, like, what her... Like, this is obviously probably her first time on a mattress. sinking into something like that. Yeah, so, but she falls asleep really quickly, which I probably wouldn't have if I had... Transforming is very tiring. True, true. But uh, along with her her bed, her room, Mm -hmm. they mentioned on the DVD that they took... um, And I don't know much about this company, but they took style from Laura Ashley Home Furnishings. So... Just thought I'd okay. point that out there. I I tried to do a little research on Laura Ashley, but is I, that like Ashley Home Furniture? Is that like the Ashley maybe? for like the Ashley store? I don't know. Laura Ashley has a website, but I don't. I I honestly it could I, be connected, or it might not be connected yeah, to like exactly. the Ashley Home Furnishing yeah um, franchise. But that mattress it's just so strange. It's very bouncy, and... um, but she settles into it fine. Yeah, uh, and then we get some under the sea time with. Harold, the Harold. That's what we call him. I don't care what his real name is. Love Harold. Harold's great. I don't know how they edited his voice, so it's all like small and squeaky and a little bit kazooie. Like a very little bit kazooie, because we've heard like actual kazoo used, but yes. they make it like a little bit kazooie. Yeah. I don't I'll 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 have more information about Harold tomorrow, probably. Yeah. Love Harold. Harold's great. A little seahorse. Victorian collar. Elizabethan collar. Elizabethan. Elizabethan. Yeah, not Victorian. Let me get my my random eras right. Which is a little bit old for the 1800s. But they're Elizabethan under the sea. is 1500s, 1600s, right? I, I think Are you saying so. just because they're under the sea, they're they're 200 years behind in technology? No, I'm just saying. Although that, we don't that see a lot of technology. They're everything. Under the sea is different, so like their styles are going to be different. Even there's not a lot of clothing going exactly. on in general. You're right. There's mostly just hairstyles. Yeah. Um. I am going to like latch onto what I just said, though. Not a lot of technology that we see under the sea. So I don't know what level of technolo- technological advancement they are. Yeah, and they don't show a ton in the series either. So I don't. I. I honestly don't know. Not a ton of, like... I mean, there's magic, but... Right. And if you've got magic, then maybe that skews your technology. Maybe. Okay. But... Any other... I I think that's it for me for today. Okay. That's all we have for you today, listeners. We're part of Dueling Genre, and you can find us and many other podcasts at DuelingGenre.com. There you'll also find a link to a Patreon page where you can support all the Dueling Genre productions. We are on Twitter and Instagram at DizMinute, on email as DisneyAnimationMinute at gmail.com, and on Facebook at the Disney Animation Minute Secret Essential Listener Society, or Damsel's Group. Until next time, thank you for making us part of your world.